Hi, I'm Spencer, and I'm an alcoholic. All right, we got a joke from Take Me to Your Sponsor, Best Jokes and Cartoons from AA Grapevine. A remorseful drunk comes to one morning and realizes it's his 20th wedding anniversary. He rolls over and says to his wife, Happy 20th anniversary, dear. I'm going to get you a real nice present today. She gives him a look. The only thing I want is a divorce. She says, a bit amazed, he thinks it for a moment and replies, I wasn't planning on spending that much. (laughs) Two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise and will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? All right, let's start the meditation.
and now we're going to do the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost sitting and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Noah to come up and read Spiritual Experience, Appendix 2 from the big book. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Good evening, family. My name is Noah, and I'm an alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what psychologist William James calls the variational variety, the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of a newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought, brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few expectations, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most sympathetically, we wish to say that an, any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no need, we find that no one need have difficulty. We find that no one need have difficulty. Have difficulty. We find that no one need have difficulty. Thank you for bearing with me. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. But these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information. This is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. That is a quote, Herbert Spencer. Thank you. Thank you, Noah. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane slash meeting mode or just turn it off. Tonight we have Pat on his final week here, and I'm really excited about his message, so help me welcome up Pat. 
recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat. Thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA, uh, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and for that I'll be forever grateful. Uh, AA didn't just save my life, but it gave me a new life, and I uh, absolutely enjoy my life today. And I'm um, happy to be here. love this group. Uh, get to close out the year here. Uh, that's kind of cool. You know, and uh, look forward to Tom coming down. If you get a chance to see Tom, he's awesome. But uh, I have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. Uh, I have had what you just read, that personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. I've had that awakening. Uh, biggest promise in the book, best promise in the book, if you ask me. Uh, ideas, emotions, and attitudes that used to be the guiding forces of my life have been replaced by a whole new set of thoughts, feelings, and actions. Uh, I have been transformed as a result of this uh, program. And, uh, you know, I look back, and and you guys have have walked this journey with me the last nine weeks or whatever it was. Uh, I don't like that guy that came in here. (laughs) And uh, if you heard who I was, you don't like him either. You know, I, I despise that. I look back with disgust at that person uh, who walked into these rooms. And, and I, thought, I thought the way I had it was the way it was. I really did. I, I, I fought you tooth and nail at the beginning, man. And, uh, but I was desperate <laughs> and desperate enough to, uh, to buy into what you were selling. And, you know, I had my doubts. I had my doubts, I really did, and, and I, was, I was not torn between drinking and drugging and this. I was torn between killing myself or living sober. I mean, that was, those, that's where I was, and, and living sober didn't feel too good at the beginning. I, I, uh, I was hurting when I came in here. I, I shared with you guys the first week with here. I felt better. I felt anger better. I felt resentment better. I felt fear better. I was dying in the rooms of AA for my first three months because uh, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a little cold the last few days. Uh, I thought not drinking and going to meetings was the program. I mean, that's what I thought. I thought 90 and 90 was the program. I thought just don't pick up the freaking first one was the program. It had nothing to do with the program. It, 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 it was a way to get me here so that I could work a program. But, but that's, just, that's just the introduction to AA. Somebody was supposed to come up to me and grab me and put my arm around me and say, look, let me show you the deal. You know? Not hang in there. Because that's what I was doing. I was freaking hanging in there. You, know? you asked me how I was doing. I was hanging in there. You know? One effing day at a time, you know. It was like I might have another twenty-four on my fourth meeting here. You know, I just I'm not drinking and going to freaking meetings. You know, and I, and I was not getting better until until you, someone came up to me and said, "You're visiting the fellowship. There's a program here." And I would have never heard that probably unless I had lost it in a meeting and told everybody off in that meeting and told you you're all full of shit. You know. This is some kind of cult. There's nobody in here has a light beyond their wildest dreams like this asshole said. You know? 
And that's what I, I told him off that night. I was like, man, you don't even have a car or a girlfriend. What the hell are you talking about? You know, in the real world, you are nothing. <laughs> you know? And somebody approached me and said, man, there's a program here. And I said, yeah, I know. I've been coming. He said, no, you've been visiting the fellowship. And I urge you, if you're new, 1990 is a great suggestion. It, it gives you a lot of time to, to listen to speakers and pick somebody that you can identify with and ask them to take you through the program. Not drinking in is a good suggestion and going to meetings is a good suggestion, but that's not the whole story. Don't drink, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the program and recover. That's the story. That's the whole story. We should just tell them the whole story when we say don't drink and go to meetings. That's the whole story. And I don't know, you know, what anybody's position here is when it comes to God. I was desperate enough to say whatever. You couldn't scare me out with God. And fortunately, you said, hey, whatever you think that is, that's what we're talking about. Take the God of your understanding. What a miracle. Ebby Thatcher to Bill Wilson. What a miracle. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? I got to choose my own conception of God. And as a result of the program of action, God has been proven to me. I can't prove it to anybody that's sitting here. But God has been proven to me. God entered my heart in a way which is indeed miraculous. Lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And gets the, it does for me what I can't do for myself. And it wasn't, a just, it wasn't about not drinking. It was about living without drinking. That's what it was about. Shit, I could stop. I just couldn't stay that way. Because I hate sober. How do I live feeling the way I feel? How do I live in torment? How do you do that? Sober. Well, you guys showed me how to do that. You guys connected me with a power that gave me the same feeling, the same relief that I got in a drink or a drug. Now, if somebody came up to me right now and says, hey, I got proof of the non-existence of God. Keep it to yourself. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Because if you proved to me there was no God, I don't know how I would live with that. I don't know how I could live with that. Because it's been proven to me there is. And if you can do it your way, go ahead. I mean, have at it. You know? But I have an amazing life. I have an absolute amazing life. So let me go back to step 11, right? Because step 11 we talked about last week as an inventory step, didn't we? Like it, was, it was an inventory step. What to do in the morning. 10, what to do all day. 11, what to do at night. Right? How to meditate in the morning, how to get quiet in the morning, what to pray in the morning, review your day, ask God for help, use step 10 to get through the day, keep them defects of character in check with step 10, and then step 11, how well did I do today? But there's so much more to step 11. I want more of that, you know what I mean? I want that feeling that I got as a result of this program, I want more of that, I lust for that now. Right? I was lusting for the, for the relational and the financial and the material and the attention. That's what I lusted for all my life. I'm lusting for that feeling that I got as a result of step five. That's what I got. it, And it just kept getting better from there. I want more of that. How do I get... I, I'm obsessed with that. Right? And step 11 says, you know, we improve our conscious contact with God. That's what's up. Now, I want to improve on what I got. 
as a result of the nine steps. And that's what step 11 improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only, only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 11 is a little different than what the book talked about in an inventory step. Step 11 in the 12 and 12 is all about meditation and prayer. Step 10 is all the inventory, it's the spot check inventories. The nightly inventories, the annual, semi-annual, however, however many inventories you want to do. I'm not one of them guys that thinks you do one fourth step and that's the end of it. You know, do a fourth step and then a month later you need another one. Because <laughs> more shit's going to come up. <laughs> call it what you want. Call it with 10 or 11. I don't care what you call it. But we're going to be doing self-examination the rest of our lives. That's, just, that's how we stay in conscious contact with God. But I want more of that. Step 11 is what develops more of that for me. There isn't much about that in the book. right? Bill, here's Bill talking about step 11. Step 11 suggests prayer, meditation. We shouldn't be shy in this matter. Better men than us are using it constantly. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. The proper attitude is lay aside everything you think you knew before you got here and buy into what we're telling you. Lay aside your old ideas. Right? It'd be easy to be vague about this matter. Of course it would be because he's four years sober, right? I mean, he's probably not doing a lot of prayer and meditation at this point, right? Yet we believe we make some definite and valuable suggestions. That's it. That's all he writes about prayer and meditation, right? Except getting quiet in the morning, right? 12 and 12's got a whole chapter on prayer and meditation. So many different ways to contact God. I mean, I, I practice all kind of different stuff. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who has a lot of problems stopping the voices. You know, I mean, I just, there's a lot of chatter. There's shit going on up there right now while I'm talking. You know, like my, my mind is thinking about work tomorrow. There's, there's, there's a couple of conversations going on up here while I'm speaking to you. you know? It's hard for me to shut it off. It's hard to get quiet. So I use a lot of stuff. And the book says, reach outside of AA. Use some other stuff that's out there. The, the Buddhists with their mantras is, is awesome. Just repeat something over and over again and stop those voices for even a split second. If I could just stop them for five seconds, that's freaking miraculous to me. It feels like a half an hour. And then when they come back, start the mantra again. You know, whatever it is, repeat your higher power, whatever mantra you want I like guided meditations where a speaker's in the background or music is in the background or running water, wind, whatever. How many people meditate at the ocean? How, it's just so calming, right, to get in tune with the waves, get the waves and the sound of the waves. That's one of my favorite places to meditate and become one with it. It's almost when I'm sitting on my patio and I get, I get involved with meditation with nature, with the movement of the trees or the leaves or the wind with the leaves and the trees and the branches. It's almost like you can stop time. You know? It's almost like time freezes for a period of time. It doesn't last long for me, but I love it. I love it. You know? I'm, one of the, I'm one of them people that needs to set a timer. <laughs> You know, and, and know that there's a period of time that I have, or I'll start looking at the clock. How long have I been doing this shit? You know, like, I, I'll set a 15-minute timer or something, know that I'm going to do this until the timer goes off, you know, so that I'm not distracted. There's so many ways to, to, to get in contact with God. Not the same as prayer, right? Prayer is kind of petitioning. It's kind of asking. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong for me to pray for somebody who's sick to get well. There's nothing wrong to pray to get a better job. 
or your relation, whatever. It's just not step 11. And by the way, don't expect a yes every time. Step 11 is about more God, less me. More God, less me. Not what can I get from you, but what can I do for you? Praying for the knowledge of his will. What's his will for me today? What can I do for you today? One of my favorite exercises is two-way prayer. That I can do because it tells you you don't need to stop the voices. You can let the voices roll. You know, once in a while I do a workshop on it. Uh, I'll, I'll let Mike know when we're doing our next one. But, you know, we're, it's a whole how to listen to God thing that they used to do in early. It's really what step 11 is based on in the big book is two-way prayer. You know, and what you do is you let the voices come. Let them roll and write them down. Write everything down that comes through. Good, bad, indifferent, holy, unholy, whatever. Just write it all down. And then inventory it. Is this God or not? Is this God or me? Is this God's will or my will? And it's easy to sort out. I mean, we know what God's will is and what our will is. And if you're not sure, you bounce it off of somebody else who's, who's working two-way prayer, working a program. You know? And ask them what they think. But you write everything down. You, know? you don't have to filter it. It's just me and God. Some of the thoughts are not fit for human consumption, other than me. Yeah. It seems to be, and, I, and I'm just speaking for myself, I get complacent. I, I just, I don't, when things are going good, I just get complacent. I just get, you know, good enough. You know what I mean? And then there's something that comes along and rocks my freaking boat. And I don't know if God purposely does that or not. You know? And what I've learned is that every time he rocks my boat and, and, and creates what I think is a tragedy in that moment, leads to something better. You know? And I've come to realize that. It's taken me a lot of lessons to realize that when God drops me in the desert, I don't know why he puts everybody in the desert, but it <laughs> seems to be in the bigger book where everybody ends up in the damn desert. Yeah. We never put them in the forest yeah. where I would be happy, in the desert. There's this period of, of pain that leads to spiritual growth. Yeah. I think I shared with you guys the first time that took place with me was when I was, we opened up this clubhouse. And I was, me and a couple other people were on the lease and, you know, we were running the club. We actually built it. We actually took this empty storeroom, <clears throat> installed bathrooms and partitions, and it was just a, a heck of a project. It was amazing. In my first year of recovery, it kept me so busy, I, I couldn't pick up a drink. Thank you, service. And at five years, somebody accused me of stealing money out of the treasurer. I was obviously, my name's on the lease. I'm one of the signatures on the check. And somebody accuses me of stealing money. And I was so pissed off that I threw the checkbook and got landed in the desert. Yeah. And was walking through that desert for a while until I found this group out in West Boca. And I share with you guys, it was, the, it was this man that I met in West Boca who I was able to unload my real fifth step to. You know, the, the fifth step I did with a priest, I left some stuff out because I didn't trust him. Pretty bad when you can't trust a priest, huh? That's a trust issue. This man I met, I was able to share my fifth step, my real fifth step with. The, the deep, dark secrets. The one I was going to take to my grave that the 12 and 12 warns us about. Yeah. 
Never say never. But I trusted that man more than I ever trusted anybody on this planet. He became my sponsor for the next 10 years, up until his death. Ten years sober, I'm sitting in my home group, and I can't stand this group anymore. Right? I'm, I'm a member of this group now for five years. Love my sponsor. Love the guys in the group. Have you ever been there? You ever been to a group? Your, your meeting where you know what everybody's going to say? Right? Oh, here comes the dog and ketchup story. You know, he's going to say that he's going to tell us that dog and ketchup story again. You know, I know what he's going to say. Oh, here comes this. Here comes that story. I mean, bored to tears in my home group. Like, I'm not looking forward to going to my home group anymore. And I share with my sponsor, I I can't do this anymore. I I need to move on. Well, there's something wrong with you, not with the group. (laughs) Did you ever hear Israel? Israel says, if you don't think your home group's the best home group in the world, don't go to some other group and fuck it up. (laughs) I'm quoting. So I, I speak to a, a friend of mine, and uh, he says, well, why don't you start praying on it? He's here. He gives me the prayer of Jabez. He says, start praying this prayer. So I start praying. And the short version of prayer of Jabez is protect me, bless me, and expand my territory. If, if you go to the bigger book, it's in there. Google prayer of Jabez. It's a little longer than that. But protect me, bless me, and expand my territory. So I'm sitting in my home group one night, and I leave, and I get a phone call from a Hollywood happy hour. It says, hey, how about coming down on Wednesday nights and, and doing a big book study for us? That's all. It's my home group night. I can't do that. God answered my prayer, and I didn't even see it. Somebody had to tell me. Billy, who gave me the prayer, said, what happened? I said, well, I got a call from on Wednesday night. They want me to do a big book study. He said, yes, your prayer was answered. Tell your home group you're not going to be there for a little while. Go do the big book study. I went and did that big book study. I haven't been back to that group. <laughs> that was 20-some years ago. <laughs> I did go back to give a medallion out to someone, twice to give a couple medallions out. But uh, From there, I was asked to speak at Zion Lutheran up in, up in Deerfield. There, I reunite with my original sponsor, with Brian. He had, we had gone separate ways. Um, Billy's part of that group. I become part of that group. There's a guy from a treatment center up the street who hears my story. I asked the speaker to tell my story. I think the only thing he heard was that I got remarried at two years sober. And I think that's all he heard, and he wanted his ex-wife back. So he asked me to sponsor him after the meeting. And identification. <laughs> and, uh, and so him and I start going through the big book in his apartment. Well, the guys in the treatment center start coming into the apartment to be part of the big book study. The big book study gets too big for the apartment, so we have to go down to the weight room. So we get into the weight room. It gets too big for the weight room, so we got to get a spot, an office. It gets too big for the office, so we have to rent the space at a church. It's my home group. It's a Deerfield Beach study group that meets on Monday nights. Started almost 20 years ago. There's anywhere from 50 to 100 people at that meeting every night. I mean, I can't tell you what took place from there on. You know, the the fact that I meet these guys, that that I meet Mike and these guys here, you know, they just expanded my territory. It just expanded my territory. It took me out of what I thought was living hell 
put me in a desert for a brief period of time, and I come out of that on a whole different plane spiritually. The, the, one of the miracles that took place uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous is that a two years sober, I just mentioned it, I never mentioned it, I don't know why, I got remarried to my ex-wife. And the, and, the, and the upside of that is my two boys had their parents with them for the next 15 years. You know, almost 15 years. 13. And uh, my oldest son went off to college. My youngest son went to the military. I was 15 years sober, and my, my wife wanted out of the marriage. You know, and I was floored. You know. Now, let me tell you something. It's not easy being married to me, especially if you're a normie. There's no way I could be with a normie. It's just not going to happen. You know, and I know there's some people who have great relationships and find balance. I'm not that guy. I'm just not a balanced guy. You know, I'm either all in or I'm all out. You know what I mean? I don't know anything. I don't even care about balance anymore. You know, I just know what I need to do to stay sober and to stay close to the God of my understanding. I know what I need to do. And I'm really clear on what God wants me to do today. I really believe that everybody sitting here has been chosen. How many answer the call is another story. But every one of us has been chosen to do something really special. You know, everybody here is uniquely valuable. We are all diamonds sitting in this room. Everybody's just uniquely different. You know? Our stories are our power. And I know that's why I was chosen to be here today. But I was floored. I'm thinking, man, I can't get along with, with this woman sober or drunk. You know? And I was, I was devastated. I felt like a failure in AA. I'm 15 years sober and I'm getting a divorce. That's hard to share. You know? How does that happen? Well, like I said, living, she was just one more gratitude dinner. She had had enough. You know what I mean? Like normies don't get off on gratitude dinners, right? We get off on gratitude dinners, you know, sober picnics. You know? She wanted to go out on weekends, smoke her pot, and have a couple of drinks. And, and, there's, and I, who am I to judge that? You know, I'm the guy. I can't do that. You know, and I can't even, I don't even want to be around that. I can't tolerate that. No, I knew that had been going around for years. I thought I was yelling at my neighbors thinking they were smoking pot outside my window. It was my wife. You know? <laughs> and, and look, who, my response, who are you to judge? Who are you to tell her what she can and cannot do? Just set a boundary. Just set boundaries. And that's what happened. But those boundaries weren't good enough. Yeah. So I'm, I'm devastated. I'm driving up and down A1A. And I don't know, I want, to go, I want to go be a hermit in the forest in northwest Pennsylvania. That's what I want to do. I want to get away from all people. Right? I want to take a couple dogs with me and just be one with the deer and the bear and the woods. You know? that's, really, I really, that's what I wanted. I wanted away from all of you. you know? And I'm driving up and down A1A, and I hadn't talked to Billy G for a while. And, and Billy G calls me up and says, you were on my heart. What's going on? Now, I hadn't talked to Billy in a couple of years. I said, not that I'm fine. You know? And he said, no, no, you were on my heart for a reason. That's why no matter, when somebody comes on my heart, I call them or I text them. You know? No matter what, it, I don't care what it is. Some, there's a reason. I, I just tend to believe there's a reason for that. Because Billy knew out of nowhere there was something going on with me. And I let him, I let him know what was going on. I'm falling apart, Bill. I'm, I'm, I'm going through a divorce. He said, well, I'm going to pick you up tonight. We're going to take you to a meeting. I said, no, nah, I'm not. Yeah, we're going to take you down and see Russ. Russ S. He's down in Miami. We're going to take you down. No, I don't do Russell. Yeah. 
You know, that's the, the God Squad, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> Tradition violator, you know, sends Jesus into meetings and stuff, you know. And he said, no, you're going to go see Russell tonight. And uh, it's a true story. I tell it to Russell. Russell and I laugh about it all the time. And we go down, and I forget, the, I think it was called On Track or something in North Miami. I don't, and uh, Russell opens a meeting like this. He says, if, uh, if you're new, you might want to go to another meeting. He says, I'm here for the guy who's 15, 20 years sober, dying inside. And I fell apart. I said, oh, my God, he's here for me. You know? <laughs> now, if you know Russell, he opens up most of his meetings like that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I went up to him after the meeting. I said, you targeted me. And he says, yeah. He says, you know, maybe uh, we need to reach outside of the big book and get more. He said, maybe 83 through 87, 88 isn't, isn't working for you anymore. You know, maybe that morning, daily, nightly thing is just not enough. And I kind of looked at it like, you know, what the hell is he talking about? And the, and the book does, he, and he quotes the book, see where religious people are right. Maybe use what they have to offer. You know, it just wasn't me in the moment. You know. So I'm thinking about what he's saying. And I, we had Peter M. come down from Jersey. He was just getting ready, thinking about moving here. And he was going to speak at our Monday night anniversary meeting. And he speaks at the meeting. And him and I and Artie, one of the guys from uh, the treatment center, go to Frankie and Johnny's in Deerfield. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers that restaurant. It's Luigi Daroma now. And uh, we're sitting there, and I'm having this philosophical debate with Peter about... Actually, uh, Peter was not having a debate. I was debating. Uh, <laughs> Peter was listening. It was about, you know, virgins having babies and the dead rising, you know, that kind of thing. And, and Peter just looks at me after I'm done, and he says, did you ever think you'd be sober for 15 years? And I said, oh, absolutely not. And he goes, that's an absolute miracle, isn't it? I said, yeah. He says, and anything's possible, isn't it? And he shut me up. And we left the restaurant. We're standing outside the restaurant. And here's what he said to me. Changed my life. Maybe you should go back to the religion of your childhood and leave for a good reason. And he really planted a seed because I had no idea why I left. And I, and, I, and I started to think about that. And I thought, why did I leave? Well, because I became a non-principled human being. Because I couldn't live up to any of those principles. Now, I didn't know that nobody could. That I didn't know. The people who wrote that book couldn't. We were all broken. We're just broken different. And in different areas. And I went home that night, and I was in enough pain. I was in that desert, man. And I was just in enough pain. This Saturday night, I think I'm going to go to St. Andrews, where I did my fifth step tomorrow morning. And I, I went to the 10 o'clock mass and had an experience in that church. You know. And I'll tell you what, and I'm not promoting any religion or anything. It's just my experience. I threw up that, if you're real, show me now. That was my prayer. Be real, show me now. And I was shown. And I don't care about virgins and raising from the dead anymore. All I know is that I had an experience. As, as great an experience as I had in my fifth step, 
when God entered my heart. I, guess, I can't prove that to you, but it was proven to me. It was as real as we're standing right here. And my life shifted, right? The next thought comes, Garrett M. is going to be your sponsor. That's my next thought. I didn't even talk to Garrett. Garrett was another God Squad guy, right? I, I steered clear of those guys. I listened to them. And I went up to Garrett the very next day on Monday night. And I said, Garrett, you scare the shit out of me. But I need what you have. And I was, it was on my heart that you should sponsor me. And he said, okay. And he sponsored me up until his death three years ago. You know, for the next 15 years. And, uh, and I'm a believer, man. I'm a believer. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's about leaning in. It's like hitting the desert, leaning in and coming out stronger. You know, coming out with more. You know, recently I just had a, I mean, a, a devastating experience with a long, long, long time friend. You know, somebody who I, who I, you know, changed my life. Somebody who was huge influence on my life. I'd be, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And we had a bad falling out, you know. And, and it was that desert again. But then my recovery shifted and new people were put in my life who will will move me into spiritual growth. That's what they will do. They are part of the God Squad. You know, they are part of, I'm part of the God Squad. Uh, <laughs> I am part of the God Squad. I, I, that was tough for me. It was, you know, some people grow, some people get that immediately, but I got the service immediately and the sponsorship immediately. You know, I, I, I got distracted from the other stuff, you know. But there's three sides to that triangle, you know. And all I'm saying, and I'm not promoting anything, all I'm saying is that when you hit that desert, lean in. Lean in. Don't back away. Lean in. Because there's more. You know, and it's better. But shit's going to happen, man. Life's going to throw curveballs at us. You know, it's going to be, like, be financial, it might be relational, it might be health. Shit is going to happen. And what are we going to do when it does? You know? We got to lean in. We got to do whatever we can, you know, to grow, to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Right? As step ten says, improve, improve our conscious contact. So I look at these tragedies, so-called tragedies that I view them at anymore, as like just, um, what am I going to get from this? Where am I going to grow from this? I almost, check, I almost laugh anymore when some of this stuff. No, it doesn't feel good. But in it, I know that I'm going to come out of it stronger. But that's as a result of this step. That's as a result of having that spiritual awakening. That's a result of that transformation. And stay in the course. Just stay in the course. Just keep using the program and stay in the course. That's, that's our message here. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, that's our message. That's the only message that AA has. We don't have, the fellowship has a ton of them. I heard them when I got here. You'll hear them. We have a ton of messages and suggestions and take it or leave it stuff. You know what you take or leave, what you hear here? What the fellowship says. This you take literally. This is precise, specific, exact, and clear cut. If you want what the first 100 have, if you want what the couple of million have, you do this. You don't take what you want in here. This is not a buffet. The fellowship is. What you hear from me is. (laughs) This talk. Is a buffet. 
Take what you want and leave the rest. But not this. This is literal. That's our message. There is no other message. We've had a transformation as a result of the steps in this book, as this program of action. You know, the, uh, the book sounds kind of archaic when it comes to the 12th step in here, but it's, it's still, it's on point, you know. What, what about these promises? Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with alcoholics. My God, that's the out. When I, when I am just so caught up in myself and I can't even connect with the God of my understanding, I'm praying like, make this feeling go away now. And then my sponsee comes on my heart. And there's the answer. Call him. Ask him how he's doing. Reply to his inventory from last night. How about send an inventory to your sponsor? Call your sponsor. And immediately I'm connected with God. Right? It works when other activities fail. This is a 12 suggestion. Carry this message to other helpers. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they're really ill. We are the experts. We are the experts when it comes to alcoholism and drug addiction. We are. We can do things that the doctors, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, and the clergy can't do. Because we have a story. And that's the connection. That's our connection. Is our story. That's our gift. Right? It talks about that. That our deep, dark past is the gift that unlocks death and misery for others. Your story. Not my story, necessarily. Somebody might identify with my story, but somebody's going to identify with yours. Not mine. That's why speaker meetings are so important when you get here. That identification that takes place. That was the miracle of AA, wasn't it? Bill talking to Bob, not about Bob's drinking, but about his drinking. Everybody's been telling Bob about his drinking. Right? Bill didn't do that. What do you think you got that nobody else has? Bill said, nothing. I came here to save my ass, not yours. That shut him up. I do this to save me. I do this for me. You get it. That's awesome. But I do this because I stay sober. He didn't know how to respond to that. And, and Bill does something that nobody else had ever done for him. And that's share his story. How I had a, a business deal. Didn't show up. Bob said, yeah, I had surgery. Didn't show up. Right? I was going to make a ton of money. Blew the whole deal. Had a couple drinks the day before. Bob said, yeah, been there, done that. I felt like that. I did that. Yeah, that happened to me too. Boom. There's the connection. Bill realized in that lobby that that's what was keeping him sober for six months. He worked with over 90 guys. None of them got sober. Now, we know why, because he was second stepping them. He got the steps in the right order with Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob was already second stepped. You know, Dr. Bob knew more about spirituality than Bill ever knew. He had been in the Oxford groups for two and a half years, but nobody ever told him a story. That's all he needed to hear. A medical doctor just needed to hear somebody's story and say, oh, my God, that's me. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and that was it. Life will take on new meaning. 
to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you won't want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. God, I love you guys. Absolutely love you guys. You know me. You get me. I get you. That's the miracle here. As soon as I walk in this room, I feel better. No matter what my day was like, I walk into this room, I feel God in this room because you guys bring God to this room. I absolutely love it. You know what I love too? I love watching this guy with a big book in his hand talking to some newcomer at the Monday night meeting reading the doctor's opinion to his ass. So that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Or calling me up about a sponsee he's having problems with. Like I call my sponsor with a sponsee that I'm having problems with. That's the way this works. This generation after generation after generation. And I'm not going to get into a tradition talk, but that's why our traditions are so damn important. I come from a long line of alcoholics. I caught the genetic bullet. Trust me, my kids have the bullet. But they're not us yet. But I want this to be here for them when the bullet does catch them. Because they're potential, man. They're there. You know, just, wait, just waiting for some tragedy to take place. Or perceived tragedy, right? They're not all tragedy. Just a perceived tragedy take place. And take them off that edge. Yeah. And down that road. I can see the potential in both of them. I want this to be here. I want us to be here for them. When they come. And that's, that's, what our, that's what our traditions do. Our traditions protect this. Our traditions protect the message. They protect those... those they protect those steps. Imagine, 12 steps that can do what doctors can't and psychiatrists and psychologists can't do. That's incredible. That's absolutely miraculous to me. The book looks dated because we don't have to find people. But I want to go through this real quick just because this is the way they were doing it back then, right? It says, see your man alone if possible. Engage in general conversation Turn to talk to some phase of drink and tell him about your drinking symptoms and experience. Encourage him to speak about himself. If he wishes to do so, you'll get a better idea how you proceed. If he's not communicative, give him a sketch of your drinking career. I like Bill uses career all the time. Right? It is a career. <laughs> Up to time you quit. If he's in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles caused you, being careful not to moralize lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories, right? tragically funny stories that we have about smashing cars, right, going to jail, ending up in the hospital. You know, these, these events that we laugh about at dinner. You know, and get him to identify. The same day, tell him how you tried to stop. Show him the mental twist that leads to the first drink. This is doctor's opinion stuff, right? We say, except you do this how we did on, cha- on chapter on alcoholism, chapter three. If he's an alcoholic, he'll understand you at once. He'll match his mental inconsistencies with your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. Right? Tell him about the allergy of the body. Tell him why you can't control his drinking. Tell him about the obsession of the mind. If you're satisfied he's the real deal, dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your experience how this mental condition surrounding that first drink 
prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Can't stay stopped, and once I start, I can't control it. This is on a 12-step call. Right? Hopefully, he's become interested. Well, what did you do? Right? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, that happened to me. I felt just like that. What did you do? Tell him exactly what happened. Stress the spiritual feature freely. It doesn't say hide God. Don't scare him out with God. That's our only solution here. Let's be real. If you're the real alcoholic addict, not drinking and going to meetings, just don't pick up the first one. Doesn't work. If it did, you wouldn't be here. I traded custody of a child for a drink. And you're telling me that I can just will myself sober? You don't think I cared about that child? I traded my freedom. I've traded a career. Not say shit like nobody tells me what to do. Your Honor. <laughs> These agnostic or atheist make, make him emphatic. He doesn't have to agree with your conception. He can choose any conception he likes. I always like to use the line when I say, God, whatever you think that is, that's what I'm talking about. The main thing that he'd be willing to believe in a power greater than himself, that he lived by spiritual principles. The ABCs are, are, are required for recovery. They're required. The first two steps are required. There's no spiritual awakening. There's no recovery without steps one and two. I mean, I don't want to sound preachy, but that's the deal. You know, our book says, look, if he doesn't want to buy into the spiritual feature... And he thinks he can do it on his own, or she thinks she can do it on her own. Have at it. Good luck. I hope you can. Because I'm here because my life depends on it. Not because I chose it in a career form somewhere in high school and said, when I grow up, I want to go to AA. Never did I think in a million years that I was going to land here with you guys. How grateful I am. I wouldn't trade this world for anything. If they came up with a pill right now would allow me to drink normally, I don't want it. I don't want it. Now, I don't know when that happened at what year that happened where I didn't want it anymore. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know where I crossed that line if they did come up with the magic pill. I don't know where that came. I don't want it. I want this. I love this. And if you're new, that sounds ridiculous. I get it. I get it. That's like the guy who I sat there in my first meeting heard the wild, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. That, that guy. Right? How could that be possible in AA? Right? Well, it's possible. It is possible. But it's from here. See, that's what we were talking. We're talking about living life from here, from the inside out. Not from the outside in. See, I didn't know you could be happy without the material, without the relational, without the attention. I didn't know you could be happy without all that. You can be happy with all that, without all that, and that just enhances life. That's just a bonus. That's just a result of being happy on the inside. That's a given. This is all on the first call. This is the way they used the 12-step. Then they tell them, outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straighten out your past while you're endeavoring to be helpful. They're not hiding the fact 
that you're going to have to do self-examination, confession, and restitution. That's part of the deal. This is how they did a 12-step call. This is the first meeting. Get clear on steps one and two, and let me tell you what you got to do. <laughs> let me tell you what I did. I did a fourth step, did a fifth step, and I went on to the ninth step, started making things right. I know that because on page 96 it says, suppose you're making the second visit. He's read the volume. He's prepared to go through the steps of the program. Having had an experience yourself, you give him practical advice. Let him know you're available. If he wishes to make a decision, step three, and tell his story, step five. Get clear on, on the problem, the solution, and the program of action on the first visit. And then on the second visit, are you ready to go through it? If not, I'm moving on. I'll find somebody else to work with. I'm not saying it has to look just like that, but they had 50 to 75% success rates doing that. Clarence bragged about 92, 93% success rates in, in Cleveland, taking people through the steps in a day. Crazy success rates. Now, I don't agree with everything they did, but I agree with that. I believe this was meant to be done quickly. This was meant to stop the bleeding. And then we'll, get, then we'll revisit it. I shared with you guys, my four-step had like six or seven names on it. I didn't go back to grade school and junior high and all that. I went, that bitch, those police, the IRS, my father, the ex, current ex. You know, that was it. That's what was killing me. And then later when I get through that, now we revisit some other stuff, some deeper stuff. I didn't really go back to my childhood until I went through that divorce 15 years sober because I was wondering why I can't get along with people drunk or sober. <laughs> you know, what the hell is going on with me? <laughs> you know? And my sponsor had me do a timeline. Very interesting thing, by the way. I know I'm getting off track, but, you know, very interesting thing, these timelines, you know. They'll give you some really insight. Take five-year increments of your life and list events, good and bad. Right? Good and bad events that took place as far back as you started five years old, if that's far back. Five to ten, ten to fifteen, fifteen to twenty, up to the point you picked up a drink. Take those five-year increments and list events, positive and negative. You'll learn something. You'll learn something. Now, I, realized, I looked at that and realized... Yeah, I got no shot at healthy relationships unless I change my behavior and my attitude. You know? My dad had no shot at healthy relationship raised by two alcoholics. He was my role model. Him and my uncle, violent drunks. They were my role model. Yeah, I could see why I might not have healthy relationships. Yeah. And I understand why my dad couldn't either. I, I don't resent him. I, I understand. I don't condone him, but I understand how he couldn't either. I get it. But this is the way, you know, look, I got three rules when I have somebody asks me to sponsor them. One, if you've asked me to sponsor you, you've asked me to take you through the steps. Right? I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a financial consultant. If I have experience with it, I'll share it with you, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Number two, we have a workshop. We take people through the steps in five weeks. You need to be there. It's Thursday night. 
If you can't do it, then I can't sponsor you. And the other one is you have to chase me. I'm not chasing you. You know, you'd take a freaking bus to get crack. You know, and you'll take a bus to meet me at a meeting. You know, let's be real. You know, I walked in the rain, uphill, both ways, <laughs> to get whatever I needed. <laughs> you need to do the same. I do have one more rule. If you call, you leave a message. Or you text me. But you leave a message. You know, I need to know the urgency of the call. If you're ready to pick up a drink, I will call you back. I will break away from what I'm doing. I will call you back. But if this is just a check-in and I'm with a customer, I'm going to finish with the customer before I call you back. You know, that's all. I just want to see a tech. This is urgent? Excuse me. I'm going to go take care of it. And real quick, the last part of that step is to practice these principles in all of our affairs. That becomes the challenge, isn't it? That's the 10th step, taking care of our defects of character from 6 and 7, practicing these principles in all of our affairs. Right? If I could do that at work, if I could do that at home, if I could do that here, if I could do that while I'm driving, if I could practice, I could be reasonably happy all the time. It's not that easy. And that's why we have a spot check inventory. You know, I, can, I can catch myself. I have an AA sticker on all my vehicles. I wanna, and it's not because I want everybody to know I'm an AA. You know, I have a, a little symbol on my chain that I wear. But what I love is when somebody recognizes it, you know, and they say, you're a friend of Bill's. You know, I just love that. Or they see it on my truck or whatever. But I want to tell you something. It keeps me in check. Because if I'm going to have that logo on the back of my truck, I better represent it. You know, I better not be giving people the finger with that logo on the back of my truck. <laughs> you know, I've literally tailgated people into a meeting. I mean, that's like... I, but it, it, I realize it, it, this guy could be going. This guy could be a member. Of a, this guy could be a potential member of A. Wouldn't that be something? Give somebody the finger and be up here at the podium, and they're sitting there, right? <laughs> I'm speaking about spiritual principles. Are going? Yeah, right, buddy. Yeah. You just gave me the number one salute on the way in here. Yeah. I'll never forget. Quick story. Brian is. I'm going down the Sawgrass Expressway. I cut in front of this car to get through the toll booth. And this guy's chasing me down the Sawgrass Expressway. It's Brian, my sponsor, right? And, and Brian realizes that he thinks he's chasing his sponsee down the Sawgrass Expressway to kick his ass, right? And I never forgot that story. And I always think, when I, as soon as I get into that mode where I feel like chasing somebody, I go, oh, this guy could be a sponsee or, or a potential sponsee, you know? Or maybe I'll run into him when I meet. Who knows, Right? I'm with a customer. Who knows who I'm dealing with? Am I representing AA or am I not? You know, am I going to be an a-hole or am I going to represent the program? I'm wearing this freaking logo. Who knows? I need to represent. I need to represent to the best of my ability. And when I don't, I need to make it right. You know, I need to do what step 10 tells me to do. You know, keep those character defects in check. Stop having to apologize. You know, and do the best I can practicing these principles. Thank you so much for letting me be here in the last few years. <laughs> Not cockroaches, I hope. Here, Pat. <laughs> oh, uh, special thanks for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us over the past oh, twelve weeks. Here's a special gift. The first gift is a collector's edition. Uh, of the first edition red big book magnet and then the next second gift as we have is a limited edition coffee mug so thank you so much for your service
Uh, let's all thank Pat one more time. And then uh, let's have Ryan with our secretary's report. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm your alcoholic secretary. Hey, Ryan. Hey. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supported, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. Uh, we also have QR codes on the back of the, back of the chairs. If you want to give through Venmo, uh, you can do it that way. There's also a QR code in the Zoom if you want to give, if you're watching on Zoom. Um, I've asked someone to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in AA identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Um, recovered alcoholic. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some, al to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would not be able to drink responsible, responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. Uh, that was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. Page 23. We are now saying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thanks, 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time and neither should the sacred approach back into his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75 plus percent success rate. Does anybody need a sponsor? If you could raise your hand. Awesome. Uh, if you're too shy, just come stand up here awkwardly and someone will come talk to you after the meeting. Uh, can recovered alcoholics please raise your hand? Awesome. If your hand's not up, talk to someone whose hand is. And this is the last meeting of the month. Uh, is anybody, did anybody celebrate in the month of December? How many, how many years, Ray? Uh, Ray alcoholic, five years. Awesome. That's a good man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we have a couple announcements. Intergroup is where you can buy AA-related literature and medallions. Intergroup is also responsible for creating our where and when and scheduling the AA hotline. Stop by and visit them. Broward County Institutions Committee is responsible for bringing meetings to places where people like us can't get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, and rehabs. They meet monthly to organize the meeting schedules at the 12-step house. Is anybody here a member of BCIC? No? All right. Well, if you need any more information on that, just see a home group member after the meeting. All right. Uh, next Thursday, we have Tom M. from Prescott, Arizona. He's going to be starting a six-week series for us. Uh, so definitely come check that out. He's great. And Monday nights, we have our big book study up on the third floor of this building. Uh, it starts at 7.15. Fellowship starts at 6.30. So come get some cookies and coffee and read the big book. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, and little red books and big book dictionaries for sale on the table in the back. If you're interested in any of that, you can see any home group member. And we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15. We ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Also, if you vape or smoke, please just wait till you're 75 feet away from the doors to do that. All right, I'll see you next week.
We have tonight's session and all the past speakers podcasted at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. And those who wish to thank the speaker, please line up in the center aisle. And we're going to close with uh, the Lord's Prayer on our seats again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time Outside my door Never before I had to change everything To realize That today is the best day of my life Cause this broken song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Yeah. 